Welcome to episode five of the Dealers Compressed podcast. My name is Paul J. Daly, and I will be your host as we explore Dale Pollock's new book, Like I See It, and have a little fun talking about the things that are driving us crazy in the car business. And uh, what can you do but laugh? So glad you joined us. Hope you're getting some uh, good stuff out of the content. Had a really good couple of weeks. Was able to go down to Atlanta, record some stuff in the CBT studios, talk with good good friend and good man, Joe Gum. Got to hang out with Jim and Bridget Fitzpatrick, who are doing a great job to help dealers. You know, I'm really impressed with the way CBT uh, is truly a dealer advocate. They really take it seriously, and I think really they're a great asset. So I just want to give them a little shout out and say, be looking on CBT for some uh, content. And probably, depending on when you listen to this, if you go and just search uh, Dealers Compressed or my name, Paul J. Daly, you will find the content that we're talking about. So today, we are talking about packs and reconditioning rates. So um, it's kind of like the second part of the reconditioning conversation. It's chapter 11 in the book, and Dale titled it, A Taxing Problem That Goes Unaddressed in Used Vehicles. And basically, he, he goes into the chapter saying how dealers absolutely love, or a lot of them have loved and continue to love, packs and reconditioning rates. And he says that these are like longstanding practices that don't make sense anymore because of today's margin compressed environment. They made sense when there was, you know, kind of an unlimited ceiling on how you could price a car because you could throw the pack on there and then, you know, you start just marking the car up and knowing that at some point you're going to find somebody that'll either be interested in the car at that price or you can start walking the car down when it's 30 days old, 60 days old, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But today he actually, or in the book, he says that overly high packs and retail reconditioning rates are just a tax on your used vehicles. And he said, worse than them being a tax, he says they go unaddressed and unnoticed. So you don't even realize, dealers don't even realize is what he's saying, that this is actually hurting them. You know, and they have their systems and dealers have, you know, the reasoning for the pack and, and you know, what they use the money for really if they don't need it to put into the vehicle and a reconditioning or an unforeseen maintenance issue or, you know, they'll use it to fund a customer loyalty program or all kinds of stuff. Maybe they use it to sponsor softball teams and that's always been how they've done it. So he defines tax as a charge or cost added to a good or service that is not offset by an equal or greater value to the amount of the tax. So... Basically, you're taxing the car by giving it an overly high pack or charging it unfair or uh, higher than market reconditioning rates, and you're not getting that much back for it, like in real dollars, not in perceived value and not in you know funding a customer loyalty program or something like that. He, he's talking about actual value back to the vehicle that you've assigned the pack to. So he said, when, like cost up, when you're, you're pricing vehicles on cost up, right, the old way, he said okay, they would run their vehicle departments and, and the dealers that are listening to this that you know have been around long enough to understand, like, yeah, we kind of did just go cost up and we use that pack money to fund other things. You know, he said when he was a dealer, it was real common to be like $1,000 a car and they would use it just like that. It would just, whatever comes up, we'll use it for that. It's kind of a loose thing. But now kind of he talks about a retail back strategy being more relevant to the way cars are sold. Simply market-based pricing is much more important. We've actually been seeing some good conversations on some uh, some of the blogs about market-based pricing and is it good, is it bad? Um, not like we have a choice, I guess. So he says retail back strategy more important and relevant. And he said it 
eliminates that whole thing he's talking about where it's not a tax anymore because it eliminates an, a value offset. It eliminates the fact that you might be putting more, assigning more costs to that vehicle and the gross that you're going to get from that vehicle is more authentic and it's going to be better tracked. You're going to notice what's going on with that vehicle. So he also interested, you know, he brought up an interesting point. He said, there are fewer mechanical surprises with modern vehicles. And, you know, I guess I'm not as attuned to, you know, what service departments are dealing with these days with, you know, mechanical issues or computer issues. But, you know, I do notice that the warranties are getting longer and longer. So, you know, by default, I would think they were getting more reliable. So again, but that's a really good point. If they are requiring less mechanical repairs, then I guess it really does make sense that if you are packing for unanticipated repairs, the chances of that coming back around again, less and less relevant. So he kind of moves on from packs and he says, now let's go on to retail reconditioning rates. And again, he said it's not as evident, not as like, you know, quote unquote tax problematic, but it still is kind of artificially inflating the gross profit of the service department. It's artificially deflating the amount of money that you gross on the car, which could be demotivating to salespeople. So when you are charging above market rate, so what is the market rate for a wholesale reconditioning repair, whether it's an internal rate for a brake job or internal rate for if you do reconditioning cosmetic inside, internal rate for you know painting a bumper or pushing out a dent, and you're charging more than the market rate for that, he's saying just according to the principles of basic capitalism, like the market pricing should drive what you charge or else you're just skewing the entire system. So he basically says a few things, and and one of the one of the things that I really connect with, and I hadn't thought about this when I when I had some time to talk with Dale last year, he said if dealers know like the precise amount in in an ideal world, let's back up for a second. In an ideal world, a dealer would know precisely the number they're going to put into that car. So what is the dollar amount I'm going to put into this car for reconditioning? I would know it right away before I make my buying decision. That way, I know my spend. I know what I can sell the car for. I know what my margin is. And so if that number varies either too high or too low, you lose in some way. So you know, if you estimate your reconditioning costs too low, oh, I think I'm going to put 400 into this vehicle, and you end up putting 650 into the vehicle, right? You lose. Why? Because you're behind in the car from day one. Now, the flip side of that, say you estimate you're going to put 800 into this car and you only put in 600, everybody's going to high five. Oh, we bought that car right, right? High five, high five, high five. And Dale pointed out a really interesting point. He goes, well, it's nice that you saved money. He goes, but because your appraisal was wrong, I would argue that you're missing deals. So it's slowing down your velocity because you're not getting the cars that you need because you could have spent more money on that car and you passed on it because your appraisal was wrong. So ideally speaking, you would know exactly what amount you're going to pay for that car because only then can you make a precise decision, uh, which is good for you know what you're going to price the car at and what your margin is going to be. So he argues you'd be losing deals if you're charging unfair or overmarket-priced reconditioning rates because you're weighing that car down with too much expense and you're letting cars pass because you basically can't afford to buy them because of your fake or artificially high reconditioning rates. So second, he talks about profitability and volume, and he does a really interesting study on two dealerships. Dealer A, same market, you know, so he made sure that the, the playing field was level, so he's not going to like Idaho and then, you know, Long Island. 
He said one dealer, dealer A, charged a $250 pack and internal reconditioning rates. The other, dealer B, charged a $1,000 pack and retail reconditioning fees. So he ran down the cost of market metrics and all that. The dealer A, the 250 pack and internal fees, had an 84% cost of market, which was a 16% profit margin. So dealer B, who charged a $1,000 pack and retail reconditioning fees, had a 90% cost of market, meaning they only had a 10% margin, which is 6% less than the competing dealer, which is a big, big, big difference when you're talking about the difference between 10% and 16%. And then he tacks on, in addition, dealer A, the 250 pack with the internal rates, sold twice as many cars from an inventory half the size. So dealer A, he's setting up his sales team to make money. They know they'll be rewarded when they sell. They're moving. They're working harder. So, I mean, obviously, that's not the only reason they're turning inventory that fast. But he says it's a contributor. He says it's definitely a contributor. Um, he, he also goes on to talk about inventory age and how that was affected by both vehicles. And really, he's saying because when you charge those high packs and high rates, like your car is going to be priced to lose from day one. So you're already fighting a losing battle from day one. Now, I've had some interesting personal experience with uh, a specific dealer group who is doing exactly this. They charge a high pack. They charge really high internal reconditioning rates. Which sometimes is interesting, you know, because, you know, Image Auto, we offer reconditioning services. So, you know, we know our prices for, say, a wheel repair. And we find out that once they go internal, they're going to charge the used car department like another, I don't know, 10 to 20% more than we would charge them for that same wheel repair as an outside vendor. They would charge their internal rate, which is 10 to 20% higher than what we charged as a vendor. So now the used car department is forced to use the internal reconditioning. And now they're at a larger disadvantage because now they have to pay more for the same wheel repair. Well, actually, it's not even the same wheel repair. It's a slower delivered, worse quality wheel repair they have to pay more for because the dealer principal is saying, well, I'm charging retail reconditioning rates with, you know, figuring that that's going to come back to my bottom line. But Dale, again, is saying that's artificially inflated. So it's not real money. You're actually just taxing and making it tougher for your used car department to thrive. Another interesting fact is now I don't know if I'm going to step on some toes with this or not, but just making an observation. So don't take it personally. I know that this dealer group is trying to find a buyer. They're courting buyers. They're trying to sell. And my hunch is that maybe they're trying to prop up fixed ops because perhaps fixed ops is going to sell at a higher multiple than variable ops. And a lot of times when you're going to acquire, you know, if it's a larger player acquiring a group, they're going to overlay their sales system and inventory system and pricing and acquisition. So they care less about variable ops, more about fixed ops. And so if they care more about fixed ops and fixed ops may get a higher multiple in the offer, then this kind of props up artificially the fixed ops revenue. So I'm th I wonder if that's a factor. And another interesting point and if anyone even cared to listen this long in the podcast for all five of you, I had an, another interesting conversation with one of the best, most reputable process and reconditioning process engineers in the country. And this guy has set up, you know, the, the smoothest of the smooth. And he's the guy they bring in to, you know, build massive scale systems for CarMax and Carvana. So we, we were having a Google Hangout and we were talking about this very thing. And he said, you know what? That's interesting because more and more I'm being hired by private equity firms 
to assess the viability and the reality of fixed operations internal billing. And all of a sudden, he had like a light bulb moment. I had a light bulb moment. And I realized like, oh, because I was always wondering how, you know, acquiring equity firms and and they just didn't understand that this is going on and they're giving these multiples. And apparently, because of this little connection, apparently they're starting to catch on. So I think that might be just one more layer that helps dealers realize that the retail reconditioning rate might not be as beneficial as they think, especially if they're thinking they might sell, especially if they're they're trying to run the dealership as efficiently as possible. So I don't know. Maybe it's just an assumption. But in my head, the pieces all fit together. You can decide if they fit together for you. All in all, back to the book, Chapter 11, Packs and Reconditioning Rates. Uh, Dale makes a really, really great case for at least why dealers should be looking at it. You know, he tries not to tell dealers what to do in this book. He really just is urging dealers to take a look at what it is that is going on. So it really cool too. He ends this chapter with a quote from Winston Churchill. Come on, quote from Winston Churchill, relatable to the car business. He kind of, he, he, it's a quote he made about taxes and, you know, he adapted it for the car business. And he says, I contend that for a dealership to try to tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a bucket and trying to lift himself up by the handle. So picture yourself, dealer principals, general managers, just people who are paying attention, is taxing with a pack, pack taxing, and retail reconditioned rates. Are you trying to lift yourself up by the handle, but you're standing in the bucket? Good question as we close. I hope you enjoy the video that goes with the series. Again, we had a lot of fun making it and hope you enjoy it. Hope, if anything else, it helps you think about what's going on and how you can fight margin compression, how we can work together to find our way through it and deliver an amazing customer experience driven by the customer. Hope you guys have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Tax and reconditioning rates. What do you currently charge? Dale wastes no time going head to head with the way dealers approach these two areas. Sure, there are long standing practice, but Dale makes it clear that they are no longer providing the benefits they once did. He goes even further, saying that overly high packs and retail recondition rates are nothing more than a tax on used vehicles and are doing unnoticed damage to dealers. Dale expects pushback as dealers argue PACs make good business sense and aren't a tax. But Dale counters this thinking by bringing clarity to his definition of a tax. And he says, a tax is a charge or cost added to a good or service that is not offset by an equal or greater value of the amount of the tax itself. Basically, if you charge it to the car, you have to be able to quantify the return. If the charge is higher than the return, it's a tax. He takes on PACs and retail reconditioning rates separately recounting again his experience as a dealer when the cost up model was used for pricing. Often, the pack balance was used to hedge against unforeseen losses or repairs for certain vehicles. And if they didn't come, that money was used to fund facilities or sometimes to pad the owner's bank account. Either way, the gross on the used vehicle was taxed. In today's retail back approach, Measuring and allocating your pack to be level with your actual expense is essential to making better decisions. He notes that dealers who have adopted the retail back approach have cut 
and sometimes eliminated packs altogether, retail reconditioning rates have a similar impact. Again, any charge to a vehicle over that of the market value is a tax. Moving money from used cars to the service department is an artificial inflation of fixed operations profits. Dale says that this type of taxing leads to three manifestations. First, high packs lead to missed deals at auction. Desk managers are accounting for the high pack and have to walk away from deals, leading to inventory shortages. Second, lower profitability and volume. Dale compares two like dealers in the same market, one that charged a $1,000 pack and retail reconditioning rates, and one that charged a $250 pack and internal reconditioning rates. The latter enjoyed a $500 higher per unit gross and sold twice as many vehicles from an inventory half the size. Additionally, sales managers and staff were more motivated. Third, inventory age issues. Dale's analysis of the two dealers revealed that the dealer charging the $250 pack and internal reconditioning rates retailed 65% of their inventory within 30 days and had only 7% over 60 days. The other dealer fared far worse with only 40% sold in 30 days and 33% over 60 days. After further examination of pricing, the struggling dealer had to price their vehicles far above market value to make up for the artificial cost inflation, a lose-lose. Dale says that perhaps the best part of the pack and retail reconditioning fee problem is how quickly it can go away once a dealer decides that the time is right. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Dale appropriately ends the chapter with a paraphrased quote from none other than Winston Churchill. I contend that for a dealership to try to tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a bucket and trying to lift himself up by the handle. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Your attention is the biggest compliment you could give. There are several other ways that we hope um, we can help and you can connect with us and the community that are trying to make the dealership industry better. You can go, first of all, you can subscribe to this podcast. It'll be delivered once a week. We try to keep it short and sweet so you can enjoy it on a commute or on a break or the dealers take breaks. I don't know. But either way, we hope you would do that. Also, if you go to Dealers Compressed, Dot com. We also have the video content that complements, or this audio complements that video content. We've put a lot of time, energy, and money into making it entertaining. There are visuals, there are illustrations, animations. So we hope that you will go to it. It'd be a huge compliment if you shared it with uh, those who you work with in the dealership, other salespeople, other managers, GMs, owners, um, just people in the industry that are producing good content or want to make it better. In the end, by the book, Like I See It by Dale Pollock was kind of the inspiration that started this content series. You can get it, uh, there's a link on our site, dealerscompressed.com. You can Google it, get it from Amazon. Whatever you do, buy the book, read the book. There's a lot of good stuff in there. So we hope you will join us next week for another episode. Please reach out if we can do anything to help. If you wanna talk about the concepts further, or if you have any ideas for new content, we're always willing to help and we are happy and glad and appreciative to be in the fight with you. This content was produced by Image Auto. I'm Paul J. Daly, and I hope you have a great week.